It was an important show coming out of this big change in the company and, you know, having George stepping away from Star Wars. I felt that it was really important to maintain the animation division. I wanted to maintain a pipeline and a way of telling stories that I know he really believed in. And I wanted to tell stories that I feel are very true to his Star Wars and the Star Wars that he taught me when working on Clone Wars. So it was important. It was important for fans because a lot of fans were wondering what is this going to look like now? What's Lucasfilm and Star Wars going to be? I think we made something that we can all be very proud of. I think that we grew as a group and our skills as storytellers and I'm very proud of Rebels and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pleased and, and you know, it's great to be a part of it. fans move milkers everywhere welcome to episode number 114 of blast points is jason this is gabe and yeah we're finally talking about rebels rebels is done it's a thing of the past was an exciting monday night giant dogs and hints into the future and maybe more questions and answers but that's that's how we like our star wars (laughs) but first there was news. There always is news. Just when you think there's not going to be any news, there's always news. There's, if you can believe it, there is a Star Wars TV news. The family favorite of all time. Star Wars next Wednesday at nine, eight Central and Mountain. Yeah, who would have thought after? What are we, like 10 years of waiting for live action TV show to start? Because they announced that. Didn't they announce that before Clone Wars even? Or at least the same time? It was, um, yeah, Lucas at uh, Star Wars Celebration 3 in Indianapolis. Well, we've been talking uh, about Star Wars TV series. Um, We're working on one right now, which is Clone Wars, which has been on the air. And we're going to try to expand that into a half an hour of uh, 3D animation. And, uh, and then we're also working on a live-action series, a spin-off, not with the main characters, but with other characters from the Star Wars universe. Uh, and uh, that we'll be uh, trying to put that together in the next year, and then we have to 
uh, write a year's worth of scripts so we can do it the way we did Young Indiana Jones. It's been a long time coming, but yeah, John Favreau uh, is going to executive produce and write a live action Star Wars series for their streaming service whenever that comes out. Kind of makes sense. I mean, he's been a Disney, Star Wars, Marvel go-to person since, what, the first Iron Man movie. Wasn't he rumored to be doing Force Awakens for a while, too? Yeah, I think you're right. I think he was always on the list of people to do that. And I think he was probably on the list for Last Jedi, too. He's been there with the TV stuff because he was pre voice on Clone Wars. And he was... Did he voice anyone on Rebels? Not that I can think of. I think the other team that's interesting thinking about it, though, is like with the Jungle Book movie. And then isn't he doing Lion King? He's doing Lion King, right? Yeah. So he's definitely not afraid to go full on green screen with some crazy CG background stuff. So maybe that's hinting at how how they're going to be doing a live action show. Maybe it's more visual effects heavy than you would think a TV show would be. I don't know. But I guess on the other side, he's made movies like uh, Swingers or Chef that are pretty much a camera and some people <laughs> in a room. So he's done it all. The press release said something like um, he was looking forward to hiring a diverse, like a very different group of creative people to direct the show's. And I hope that's true. I would love to for the Star Wars TV show to be like we've talked about for years, like Star Wars Tales, the TV show. Every episode could be a completely different flavor, just all over the place. And they could hire directors that are up and coming that have maybe just done like short films and have never dabbled in special effects and stuff. And it could be an interesting little like Star Wars camp to who could be the next generation of filmmakers who could do some of the movies. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point that the the live action show kind of, yeah, gives them a, uh, a training ground for people that then could move up to the live action stuff, which it almost seems like with John Favreau kind of running the live action stuff. Then we have the game of Thrones guys kind of running the theatrical stuff, or at least the, some portion of the theatrical stuff that they are treating everything kind of more like TV where they're, showrunners kind of running the big picture stuff and then getting different people to do the individual stories and episodes and films and things. So there's going to be a lot of Star Wars stuff. With with still a lot of different people actually behind the camera. Yeah, it almost, it's good that we should be able to get a variety of people. It also seems like maybe Kathleen Kennedy's trying to take some off of her plate. I'm assuming she's had a busy few years getting this whole thing going. Right. Well, it it makes sense, too, after, you know, all the things they had with, like, going back to, like, Josh Trank and the Lord and Miller debacles of kind of like, if I could, you know, micromanage some of these areas of Star Wars, put other people in charge of it that I trust, and they can hire the directors and they can guide these things creatively. And she doesn't have to be quite as much in the trenches as she has been in the past. But yeah, it's exciting. It's crazy. Who knows? In 10 years, Star Wars is going to be so different than what it is today. Or there'd just be so much more of it. I don't know. Remember when there were only six Star Wars movies? <laughs> now, now that there's 35 of them. Be on the rocking chair, the, the old folks home. 
the wait the wait in between episodes one and two <laughs> felt like forever. But I do think the only thing was it's a tease with these is the Game of Thrones guys and Favreau, both of them are busy through 2019 with finishing up Game of Thrones and then Lion King. So it's like, even though they're announcing this now, it's going to probably be two years before we even see anything. Like maybe at Celebration in what, 2019, right? We might start to see some of this stuff. So it's nice that they're giving us the heads up, but man, they're taunting us. Well, and Favreau also was announced as doing the voice of our beautiful four-armed friend in Solo. What, what's his name? It is Rio Durant. <laughs> you know, Larry Kasdan, he's a huge Duran Duran fan. Maybe he was right. He was writing the script and Rio came on. That's it. His name is Rio. Maybe that's the only thing him and his son can agree on when they're writing. It's like, we just got to be jamming Duran Duran. Seven in the Ragged Tiger. <laughs> that's why... Uh, John Williams wanted to be a part of it. I know you got the other guy doing the score, but I heard there's some Duran Duran on there. He's always wanted to be in a Duran Duran cover band. I'm a huge fan of Duran Duran, baby. Girls on film, that's my jam. I play that every day when I wake up. Nobody knows the real John Williams. That's why I wear this black turtleneck. (laughs) Underneath the turtleneck is just Duran Duran tattooed on his throat. So speaking of solo, there's some other solo stuff we can talk about. Han Solo. 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 Yeah, important, big, serious news. Denny's is teaming up with Lucasfilm to have what solo themed meals. Oh, it's about time. Yeah, it actually is about time. Cause remember they did that for, did they do that for the Hobbit? Right. Yeah. Did you ever take part in that? Like their second breakfast and all that whatnot. I went to Denny's, I think right before it came out. Cause I remember seeing a menu that said what the meals were going to be, but I don't think I ever went and actually ate one of them, which I regret. The star Wars Denny's crossover. It just makes perfect sense. I'm so excited. I am hoping there are some Han Solo themed pancakes. This is what we've been waiting our whole life for. Yeah, some like scrambled eggs and Wookiee meat or something. Yummy, chewy pancakes. The Lando Grand Slam bow. L337 omelets. Why not? Oh, I can't wait. It's finally, you know, and it's Denny's has mysteriously been the official food for us for Star Wars Anaheim and especially Star Wars Celebration Orlando. We ate at Denny's, I think, 14, 15, 16 times. Yeah, I think every meal we ate at Denny's, we would get the or I would get the uh, like make your own thing. And I just got eggs for all the options. (laughs) I've never seen anyone eat as much eggs as you in Orlando. Like Star Wars Celebration Orlando, Denny's was the only thing that made sense. And it was always packed with Star Wars fans. So maybe somewhere 
Lucasfilm noticed that and they were like, Star Wars fans love Denny's. Yeah. You need a, you need like eight eggs to make it through a day of celebration. So I think for Solo, yeah. Bring on the eggs and pancakes and hash browns with cheese and I can't wait. Weekend in the morning. Got to Gotta get to Denny's. Got to get an omelet. A three-egg omelet. serve you any one of our omelets cooked to order for just $2.99 now through August 31st so that faucet is still leaking the leaky faucet of the last Jedi (laughs) it's not going away we're trying to dry out but it's keeping us all dripping wet hot wet and dripping with dripple Oh, so let's talk about some of the Last Jedi stuff going on here. Good. Come Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Last Jedi. So on the Star Wars show last week, they revealed one of the deleted scenes from the upcoming Last Jedi Blu-ray. And it is an alternate demise of captain phasma what did uh what do you think of that well i think it's definitely the uh it's the squealed like a whoop hog scene i don't know it's cool it's one of those things that on its own is really cool but i can completely see why at the time it appeared in the movie that it probably felt like it dragged on because it's cool to see phasma talking to finn phasma goes crazy shoots a bunch of stormtroopers she gets her arm <laughs> Chopped off, which it makes sense. We finally, we had a Star Wars movie with no dismemberment in it. So there was our dismemberment scene. Um, I don't know. What did you think? At first, I was just like, wow, this would have been really, really cool in the movie. I really liked, like, when Phasma starts to look around at the other stormtroopers and starts to get the fear. And then, yeah, when she takes out her little blaster and really cool rapid fire shots of her taking out the stormtroopers one by one. It's all really neat. But then I started thinking, well, this would have come right after the reveal of BB-8 hijacking a First Order ATST, And then right after that would still be Rose on top of that ATST giving Finn a lift and them taking off. And I was kept thinking, like, man, tonally, that would have been real wacky. Well, and we're still would be riding... The wave of Ray and Kylo had just teamed up, had a huge fight, and Holdo just light speeded through the ship. So we're, you know, we're all pumped up from that. Would have been jarring, I think. It could have played real weird, but it's a really, really cool scene. Which seems to be, again, I think it makes sense why they gave Ryan Johnson three more movies. Because if there's any, I think, criticism of Last Jedi is he came up with so much cool stuff that there wasn't enough time to fit it all in. Mm-hmm. And it's always fun to see the unfinished deleted scenes that have just the animatic quality effects in them, like the the snow chase in uh, Force Awakens. I don't know. I'm a sucker for that stuff. That whole like four-hour-long deleted scene of the extended Geonosis battle for Attack of the Clones. Oh. There's like whole parts in that of just like Kaede Mundi like running across like a green screen. You don't even know what's going on. 
Maybe that's that was the original thing. It was like in Spinal Tap when they get lost on the way to the stage. He's like lost inside the Nemodian ship trying to find uh, where he needs to go. Just walking down hallways, running. <laughs> that's all I want from the John Favreau show. One episode directed by the real Coyote Mundi of just Coyote Mundi lost. I don't know where I am. Where do I go? It's a live call-in show. <laughs> you tell me, viewers, should I go right or should I go left? You can do it, Kiati. So we had another exciting, not really, I guess it's news, but more more of a, an event this week where uh, Mark Hamill finally got his star on the Walk of Fame. And like anytime someone gets a star, there are speeches. And who showed up to give a speech? None other than our favorite grumpy old man, old George. <laughs> I didn't know if you were talking about Harrison Ford or George Lucas. <laughs> well, I guess yeah, both both of our favorite grumpy old men showed up. Yeah, the the wonder twins of old Lucas and old Harrison Ford. First of all, it should be noted that Lucas got really dressed up. He's wearing uh, a sweater with a shirt underneath it, but he's also wearing his blue jeans and his white Nikes. Looks like he's got some new white Nikes. What well, Ford's speech was was pretty good. It was pretty typical Harrison Ford, right? He's just being, being Harrison. No, they were both great. At least Harrison looks like he took some notes, but Lucas was totally just like off the cuff. <laughs> I don't know if he slept the night before at all or what, but it, it was it was Lucas was in rare form. And uh, he proved to uh, wear his medal well. And uh, I had gone through a lot of different uh, a, a very long process of casting and uh, it, it became very clear after a while when we started doing screen tests that uh, not only did, was he a good actor but he was also great with the other actors that were in the finals to to uh, be the cast of Star Wars I've known, I've known Mark for a long time we were casting oh, it took so long they like, were like high school kids and then he keeps going and then she's like, well, it's funny we're talking about the beginning because it's almost over for all of us. It's been a long, I mean, it's, you know, for us, this is kind of getting toward the end of the road. <laughs> we're talking about the beginning of the road, and this is sort of uh, capping the whole experience in between. So uh, that's all I can say. Man, it's worth, it's, we're coming to the end of the road here. <laughs> Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah. We're all going to die any day now. All of us. You can do it. This guy can do some more movies. And then Mark Hamill's like, you can too. No, I'm done. And he runs away from the mic. <laughs> he, just, he just takes off. Nope. Yeah. That's it. Never. Lucas out. Now, between Celebration and this, anytime I see Lucas and Harrison Ford together, it's immediately way more exciting than it would be with them on their own. And they're both pretty exciting to hear on their own. So they really just need to do all their appearances together from now on. I think that's, you know, the TV show have a whole episode, the two of them 
just on a road trip together. George Lucas gets to drive fast cars and Harrison Ford gets to fly him around in planes. <laughs> Be careful. Careful. I'm going to drive my Ferrari to the salad restaurant. Harrison, do you like salad? <laughs> This is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dulan, Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Blast Points with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you always. So let's finally talk about Star Wars Rebels. It was a good run, but yep, all good things must come to an end. And Star Wars Rebels is no more. It'll be interesting how time treats rebels you know like what will people think of rebels 10 years from now will it be like clone wars which has only grown in its people fans appreciation for it in the time since it's been gone i think so i mean part of the rebels has always kind of had a tough time it almost never really got a fair shot it was when it was announced it was still kind of in the save the clone wars era because it, it came up Right after Clone Wars ended. Yeah. Well, after Clone Wars was canceled, the first season of Rebels really was like, you're trying to enjoy the show, but then it's like, man, this is what they canceled Clone Wars for. So, I mean, it always had that in the the back of your mind when you were watching it. When it came out, it was like, well, who are these characters? Why in the world are there Jedi running around? It was always kind of also fighting for attention with the movies where it was always just like, yeah, Rebels was great, but man, Rogue One is coming out and eight months and that's going to be the business, you know? Right. Cause clone wars kind of came when the live action stuff was dead as far as we knew. And it was like, Oh cool. We're getting this weird theatrical movie. And, but Hey, at least there's star Wars on TV every week. Yeah. It really had no competition, but even then people didn't watch it. So <laughs> I don't know, maybe it didn't help it. Cause we were, we're so kind of turned off by the, by the film. So uh, maybe, maybe it's not that different. And it was the it was the first Star Wars anything that came out under the new Disney deal. Well, it'll always have a uh, be part of Star Wars history, regardless um, if it's remembered fondly or not as the beginning of the Disney era and potentially the beginning of a new era of animated stuff post Lucas, really, because as much as Clone Wars was kind of Dave Filoni and Cruz show Lucas was involved quite a bit. So it's the force awakens of animation basically. And it carries on a long tradition of Lucasfilm and animation that goes all the way back to the twice upon a time that no one ever talks about helping to pioneer Pixar, uh, the Clone Wars. And then another one that nobody ever talks about. That's much more recent strange magic, which we still haven't watched. No. And I, I really kind of want to, Put it on the list. Booties, prepare to be shaken. I feel like the future of Star Wars animation, though, will have one advantage over Rebels, where Rebels always was fighting to get people to be able to even watch it with Disney XD being a channel that not many people have. And the people that did have it, the times were always changing. Sometimes next week's episode would be on like on the app, like a week in advance. You're right. It was really strange. It was almost like 
they made a show that they thought they were going to just have streaming somewhere, but then they would show it on TV just because they thought they should. But yeah, it never made sense. Wasn't it? It was a different time every season, I think. A different day or a different time every season. It was on Saturday mornings for a while, and then it was on like Wednesday nights. And then recently it was on like Monday night. Yeah. For all the things that Rebels was fighting against, there was a lot of stuff that it did really, really, really well looking back where it it really did kind of like what Dave Filoni and his crew wanted it to do, where it did a great job of connecting all of Star Wars, almost like Reb- like the like the World Between Worlds episodes where Ezra's walking through and there's all the, the portals to different parts in Star Wars history. Like that's almost like watching Rebels where it's got the original trilogy, it's got the prequels, it's got the Clone Wars, Rogue One, hints of what's to come in the, the sequel trilogy. It was all kind of playing at once in a lot of Rebel stories. Well, and it also, within the episodes throughout the seasons, too, did a good job of tying everything together by introducing these new characters, but then also resolving some of the storylines from Clone Wars, bringing those characters over, crossing paths with original trilogy characters, crossing paths with Rogue One characters. Yeah, it really was kind of a show. It was like the cracks in between all the other Star Wars stuff kind of all led into rebels uh, which was cool but it still it still gave enough time to because i think by the end you know i miss the crew the main characters like i didn't necessarily love them every week but by the end like i miss them even whiny little ezra he made you work a little harder than ahsoka to love him but i think by the end uh he did some good work there were a lot of young kids that really liked rebels and there were a lot of parents that maybe Rebels at first wasn't their favorite Star Wars thing that existed, but they watched it with their kids. And if their kids dug it more than they did, it's a nice reminder, you know, like Lucas always said, I made it for 12-year-olds, that this whole thing was kind of originally made for children and not for 40-year-old dudes that are pissed about The Last Jedi. No, that's a good point. That Yeah, and I hope, that we hear soon that what the new Star Wars animation stuff will be, because I think, yeah, Clone Wars did such a good job of getting so a whole generation of kids like back into Star Wars. And I think Rebels did the same thing where, yeah, there's little kids who don't even understand what it is, but they're like, I like this. I want to find out more about this whole crazy thing. And Rebels is a great for a kid, like crash course in Star Wars where, you know, you watch some Rebels episodes and you go see, Rogue One, you're going to be like, well, I know what they're talking about here. I know about all this. That's Mon Mothma. Who do you think I am? I know that. <laughs> yeah. But it was always nice to go to like Star Wars Celebration and kind of see that Rebels had an extremely passionate following that maybe you don't hear about as much as like with the movies. Yeah, it's true, because even before Rebels came out, I mean, there were people dressed as Rebels characters. Before the show came out, like people were pumped and it continued on. And like we were saying, it was much like Clone Wars. You take for granted that it was new Star Wars every single week. There's cartoon TIE fighters and X-Wings on TV. There's so much Star Wars happening right now. You take these things for granted. Because, yeah, if you go, you know, went in the time machine back to 1994 and we're like, you know, someday it's going to be computer generated Cartoon X-Wings and TIE Fighters fighting on TV. Do a backflip out a window and then backflip back through the broken window. 
And I think I, it's it's admirable. I think at this point too that they kept it short and sweet. We kind of got the feeling maybe by the second season that it wasn't they weren't going to try to make this go on forever. But I think yeah, you know, four seasons and was just enough to kind of tell a story of the ghost crew and now have some teases for the future and get people pumped about what's going to come next. It, it's you you doubt ever questioning. Dave Filoni and his crew of writers and producers and everyone that works on the show, because even some of the things that we went on and on about of like Ezra, especially, you know, they, they kind of did a pretty good job of having it all come full circle in the ending. They did a good job of taking things that could have been just throwaway episodes and really making a point of kind of bringing that all back in at the end like some of the goofy kids yeah even some of ezra's flirting with the dark side and then kind of oh i'm okay now i'm over all that dark side stuff when you're face to face with palpatine are you really done with all that dark side stuff (laughs) you thought you were done you got the boss here now it's one of the things too like as much as there were times in in the various seasons where maybe it would kind of drag they always came back with a vengeance and like made you forget about that part. Cause even as much as we kind of ragged on the beginning of season four, when they came back from that holiday break, like these last what six episodes were just relentless. It's true. There's no such thing really as filler. Um, I understand that people want would like lightsaber battles and Darth Vader all the time and Thrawn blowing up stuff all the time. But, you know, we pace it out and it's all purposeful and it's all planned. So a lot of that, even some bizarre episodes come to have a a big purpose in season four. So you'll see, you'll see. Well, let's go through some of this last batch of episodes. Think well. Things started to really get hot with the world between worlds. Well, I mean, they started out pretty hot with Jedi Knight, literally with fire and explosions and uh, what we all knew it was coming, but it was still a shock when it actually came. But then, yeah, by World Between Worlds, then things were getting really. We were getting to the cosmic force, which I think was was always the strong part of, uh, I guess, most of the Filoni stuff. Clone Wars when it would get cosmic got really good. And what was that season three with the Bendu, that stuff when it would get, get wild and out there was some of the best rebel stuff. So, and I liked Ezra's whole lesson of he had to let Kanan go that he couldn't save him. And I, I loved the whole, um, the portal and the Lothal weird temple. It was trippy. It was bizarre. It was all the voices going on. You heard some Kylo Ren in there. There was even Chirrut and Jin Erso. It was great. It's great stuff. Hello? Master Yoda? Obi-Wan? Where are you? Those voices. Time to fight is never- Where are they coming from? You might have even heard Master Codebreaker talking in there. Or you heard GA97. Uh, 
But then things really picked up, too, with the final batch of episodes, the big 90-minute extravaganza, where everything kind of came together. Well, you know, another thing with that, too, I think got me excited and kind of kicked it up was it got back to what I think everybody liked so much about Clone Wars, which was the multi-episode arcs they would do that would kind of feel like little mini animated movies. And with those last three episodes, we kind of got back to that feel, which Rebels didn't always do of chaining a few episodes together for almost, I mean, we basically almost got a, a full length Rebels movie at the end. And everybody thought it was going to go Rogue One and they were all going to die one by one. Just kill them all off, except for Hera and Chopper. But it's pretty awesome. That's not what happened. Yeah, it was like the opposite of that of. Instead of surprising us with who died, it was surprising how they decided, how they managed to keep everybody alive. And there was, you know, there's great stuff. There was weird stuff with Hondo and his little Ugnaught buddy. I have to say, I was really happy that he was back because that was one of my, I was, I think, most excited about that. That was from, those guys showed up at the very beginning of season four, right? No, they showed up in, at the beginning of season three, right? When they stole all the Y-Wings. Yeah, I was super happy to have him back. Him and Hondo and the gun turrets was great. I'm hoping they were the ones firing the guns on the ghost at Scarif, maybe. It's like there's a big battle going on, and there's the Lafal wolves, and they're like chewing up the stormtroopers and throwing them around. And Ezra's like, I'm going to go end this thing, and I'm going to go up to Thrawn's Star Destroyer and go, like, let's just wrap this whole thing up. So he goes before Thrawn, and Thrawn's like, I'm going to take you to the Palpatine. And so he takes him. That was the best Thrawn imitation ever. <laughs> so he takes him to the hologram of Palpatine, and it's kind, kindly Chancellor Palpatine. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I didn't think we'd ever see that Palpatine again. Oh, no, young boy, or whatever. <laughs> well, and I think it's impressive that Palpatine's basically making force holograms it's like a low a low tech version of of luke's projection where it it's he's able to make a hologram of himself look different and again he's like he's saying to ezra like they're waiting for you go to them a family that kind of made world between worlds make a little more sense too because i think wasn't that basically the same trick he was trying to pull of because in world between worlds wasn't when ezra wanted to go save canaan that wasn't actually the past, and that was Palpatine trying to trick Ezra because it was the same portal that Palpatine came out of. At this part, it was like he had a part of the temple, and he was kind of trying to do the same trick where he needed Ezra to kind of unlock the entrance to that temple, to the to the actual the inside. And he was trying to get Ezra basically to open the portal to go and see his parents so Palpatine could get in. So I think it was... Because I didn't really catch that the first time, but by the second time, I was like, okay, this is like, he's doing it again. He's trying really hard to get Ezra to unlock that for him. It's the thing with Palpatine. Once he's got a bug in his bonnet, he doesn't give up, you know? No. He spent all this time trying to get this temple out of Lothal, and Ezra just smashes it. Ezra decides that um, that's how they're going to win this war. Not by fighting what they hate, but saving what they love. And yeah, he, so he, crum, he crumbles the temple. And the, I love that when Palpatine's hologram comes up from the rubble of the temple. <laughs> and then those uh, the royal guards come out looking like Praetorian guards. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, that was, I wasn't expecting royal guard ninjas to come out. And then things get really out of control. The space whales show up and save the day. 
I still can't believe that they brought the whales back. It's another one of those things where it's like, was anyone else just like waiting for the whales other than us? Like who, who else is talking about the whales all the time? I've given Rebels a hard time with stuff in the past, but you can go back. We've always been big fans of the space whales. Oh, this, yeah. And it's like, really? They brought back the space whales? Like never in a million years would I have thought the space whales would have been the hero of the, of the show. They know, they know what we like. <laughs> They're throwing us a bone, a whale bone. After the whales take off with Ezra and Thrawn, we're given a, a really great little little coda at the end where we see that uh, Hera and Kanan had a little had a kid, a little boy, Jason Sindula. You see Ahsoka and Sabine, and you see um, the new hot couple that's taking Hollywood by storm, Hot Callus and Zeb. Going off to Thanksgiving dinner to meet Zeb's family because they're officially dating now, which is fantastic. They went to a Zeb Rocks concert. There have been a, there was a lot of talk, and Filoni even hinted at it at the, the the panel that was after the premiere in California. And there was there was a while back there was the name Star Wars Resistance that I think they trademarked. And there have been a lot of rumors, like, could that be the next animated show? And I don't know. I personally think, like, it would be kind of interesting, like, Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, like, three eras of Star Wars. And Filoni, like, looking at, like, his animated shows with his crew being, like, almost like a trilogy of series. And almost like the the living force flowing into the cosmic force like clone wars flowed into rebels and rebels almost like what they're setting up at the end could flow into resistance if that is what they're doing next like it it's all there it would kind of make sense yeah even i mean even if it's not resistance just whatever they would call it yeah doing a show which we've talked about before like doing that time frame between jedi and force awakens and you know having Mark Hamill, who happens to be a very good voice actor, have young, uh, not yet. Well, I guess middle-aged Luke, maybe have his Academy would be pretty amazing to see Luke, some little Luke stories or jump around with, yeah, Ahsoka and Sabine out looking for Ezra. Yeah, I had to say too, it's like, I was amazed at how much, like, I can't stop thinking about that last little epilogue. Like, even if I think the whole last episode was horrible, that if and it just still was the same little jump ahead to to post Return of the Jedi, like I still would be, it would have made up for anything before that because it was like just enough of a tease of what happened to everyone that, like I said, I just can't stop thinking about it. And kind of the galaxy after right after Return of the Jedi, which you know has been in the books, but to kind of see it was really kind of interesting. I was thinking about the second time I watched it. That's. That's Ahsoka's big ship that shows up, accompanied by X-Wings. Yeah, you're right. If Ahsoka has like has X-Wings flying her around, she's got to be friendly with, you know, Leia's and Mon Mothma's New Republic. And, you know, that just asks like the million dollar question, what's up with Ahsoka and Luke? Did they talk? Was she like, hey, I knew your dad pretty well. And all, during the original trilogy... Where was Ahsoka? Did she just kind of hang back, kind of knowing that if Vader found her, she wouldn't get sucked through a portal 
again, you know, to save her life. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing too with with the ending of the of the show. Of it was very Star Wars in the way of having not really a twist, but kind of changing your how you viewed the other Star Wars stuff after seeing this. Just the whole idea of Lothal actually being a victory for the people of like they beat the Empire, but. It, there was never retaliation because of the timing of it. Like Scarif happened and then Luke happened and the empire just never had a chance to come back. And kind of the idea that those people weren't involved in everything that happened in the original trilogy films, because they were all on Lothal waiting, waiting for the empire to come back, which when you think about it, it's like, Oh yeah, that actually makes sense. Jason Sandula would be right around Poe's age. Spectre seven. Jason Sindula. Born to fly, just like his mother. And well, we all know what his father was like. Are they hinting that he would have force abilities? I don't know. Would Jason have been at Luke's temple? I mean, that's getting kind of wee-wee-wee, but maybe. Right, and he could, he could have been one of the ones that Kylo took. He could be dead, but yeah. I mean, and who's to say Ahsoka wasn't? A uh, guest guest professor at the uh, Luke Skywalker School of Jediness. Well, and Ahsoka and Sabine, uh, you know, they're going off to find Ezra, assuming they're going off to the unknown regions. So, if you want to get crazy and thinking about Ahsoka and Sabine going to the unknown regions, well, Ezra's there, Thrawn is there, is Snoke still there, and like Hux in the First Order. And everyone from the Empire that kind of retreated off into the Unknown Regions after, like, the Battle of Jakku. So would Ahsoka and everybody kind of come across the First Order and Snoke? It is pretty amazing to think just from these couple episodes of Rebels of kind of how much they kind of set the board for future, multiple future things that they can do with this. Now that they've kind of got everybody hooked on these characters, it's kind of mind-boggling to think about. I mean, we could probably talk all day of just things that could happen coming out of this. I love it. The the the, the video of the the press conference after the the Rebels premiere. There's people literally. They've just watched the episode, and they're like excitedly yelling at Dave Filoni that they want an Ahsoka Sabine show. So how soon? Can we expect the Sabine Rim Ahsoka Tana show is my question. Why would you watch that show? I think everybody in this audience would, Dave. Obviously, it's intriguing. It would probably make a good story. Man, that'd be a good idea. Um. It wasn't that long ago when, when like, Rebels came out and everyone's like, I don't know if I can handle this Sabine character. And then going back either further than that, people were like, ready to start protesting on the streets about Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, now people are like, what do, what do we need to do to make an Ahsoka Sabine show happen? We really want them to find Ezra, the other character who no one liked. But, but where is he? We got to find him. He finally made me like him, and then he, the whales took him away. <laughs> where could he be? They tricked us again. They made us fall in love. <laughs> It's weird, too, because, you know, now that it's over, I'm like, there's there's always that little bit of like, OK, Rebels is over. I can kind of don't have to worry about it anymore, but I can relax. But then I'm like, man, there's no more Rebels. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I want to see I want more Star Wars on TV. I want to see Saw again. I want to see the ghost again. But 
so here's the one the one flaw in the finale and i haven't really seen anybody talking about this and i don't know if you noticed this because i actually didn't notice this until uh, i think lou told me where was ap5 you know what i thought that too where was ap5 in this season at all so somebody get floney on the phone where is ap5 because they could have just left him in space singing and it, that would have been, you know, a happy ending for him. But they they caught him and brought him back. So after the the little coda at the end, Nijens had Sabine talking and AP5, he's still off in space singing. And then they just cut or you see Death Star 2 explode and, you know, the Millennium Falcon and Wedge fly out. And then AP5 just goes by singing. It's easy to see. I fit perfectly in this wonderful, beautiful scene. They could have just keep going. You see Starkiller Base explode, and AP5 floats by singing. You know, the Holdo maneuver goes through, like, Snoke Star Destroyer, and AP5 goes by singing. He was so happy when he was singing. That's an episode I really liked. There are a lot of episodes I really liked. I love Twin Suns. That that Obi-Wan Maul fight is some of the greatest Star Wars stuff ever. Yeah, and Twilight of the Apprentice is some of the best. I think that's going to be, that's the legacy of Rebels is the good far outweighs the bad. When they needed to kick it into overdrive, they kicked it into overdrive. And some of the best Star Wars is in those four seasons of Rebels. I think... Filoni and his crew are playing the long game here. I think when we look back on whatever comes next in this big picture of Star Wars animation that he's doing, he's telling one big story. Whatever he does do next, it'd be neat if Ahsoka is still in this show. And the one constant thing in all these Star Wars animations is Ahsoka Tano and her continuing story. I think that would be really, really cool also. If Rebels hadn't have happened, it could have been like, oh, well, you know, they're moving on to something else. But, yeah, now that we've had two two series that didn't have to continue her story. And, yeah, people just love the character so much now. They had their chance to kill her off and it would just be, yeah, way too cruel to not continue her story in something. The opportunity to work in the era that I grew up with, you know, even though it precedes that era, uh, it, this show will precede episode four, is it, still tremendously exciting because this visual language is now open to us and very directly what Ralph McQuarrie was doing is now open to us in a way that we could never exploit on Clone Wars. We said, what if this was CG? What if these paintings you just pop them off and suddenly get in dimension and the same type of camera work? that you see in the original films, uh, that would be a very inspired animated series. So we've got some time. Let's check out what's going on with some iTunes reviews. We haven't done them in a while. We've been promising to do them. So what's our first one, Gabe? So the first one here is, it's a podcast, Rick Ali. By Action Paction, and they say, Jason and Gabe have created something truly special with Blast Points. They managed to take a sincere and deep love for all things Star Wars and mix it with a universe of irreverent humor that's all their own. To this day, I still can't picture Saw Gerrera without a birthday party hat. 
for my birthday. <laughs> Did you come here to tell me to bring cake for me? The result is a throwback to a more civilized age when fandom meant you couldn't wait to get more of what you love. Their vast encyclopedic knowledge of the Star Wars universe makes for meaningful discussions of the greater themes at work throughout the franchise and their borderline obsessive love of the Lucas will keep you guessing whether or not they're actually broadcasting from a van that's idling outside of Skywalker Ranch. (laughs) Blast Points is the perfect remedy for those who might be feeling some preemptive Star Wars fatigue. It reminds you why you fell in love with that galaxy far, far away in the first place and makes you remember how fun it really is to be a Star Wars fan. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Action Paction. And maybe we are outside of the Skywalker Ranch in a van. (laughs) Wouldn't they like to know where we are? (laughs) (laughs) We're actually in the bushes. We're in the chicken coop. We found our place. We found our home. If you go back and watch the, uh, that sounds a, was it the sounds of, what was it called? The sound thing? A force of sound or sound of force. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can see Jason's foot in the, uh, in the chicken coop. Don't give away the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> this next one is, do you like to laugh from Colleen M.M.? Uh, she writes, imagine you could go back in time to 1994 and tell a junior high aged girl two of the things she loves the most in the world, Star Wars and boys to men, would one day be combined in a tribute to fallen Star Wars characters on something called a, quote, podcast. That dorky tween girl would have found hope in the idea that eventually she would find solidarity with this hilarious podcast host who shared her appreciation for both Star Wars and early 90s R&B. Colleen M.M. is referring to our last Jedi review episode, which was brought to you by Boys to Men. It's so hard to say goodbye. How do I say goodbye? It's so hard to say goodbye to Rebels, you know? Bittersweet. I fit perfectly in this wonderful, beautiful So what's next? So next we have No Bantha Poodoo here from Kenny Wellbank. I discovered this podcast from a list online that singled out their episode where they broke down the audio from Ray's vision in The Force Awakens. Ooh, going back. Uh, I decided I need to give the show a try. Long story short, I went back to episode one and caught up in about a month. Jason and Gabe's positive attitudes and general love of the Star Wars universe makes this podcast such a breath of fresh air for Star Wars fans. I knew I liked it just listening to the guys profess their love for the prequels. I knew I loved it from hearing the scattered pro wrestling references. I knew I was in love with it when I heard a Dr. Steve Brule reference. Keep up the great work. Look forward to your great show every week. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny Wellbank. Yeah. We like eating uh, seafood out of the trash. <laughs> uh, that's some spicy guacamole. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Kenny Wellbank. Thank you, Colleen MM. And thank you, Action Paction, for those great reviews. And you should leave us an iTunes review. If you're listening on iTunes, when you're done listening to the show, head over there, write something, and we'll read it on an upcoming show, just like we did those. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. What's up, Jason and Gabe? It's uh, Taylor Gray, uh, excuse me, Ezra Bridger here, Spectre 6, uh, reporting into Blast Points Podcast. Just wanted to say what's up, and uh, may the force be with you. See you guys. And these... Last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. And don't forget to check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. We got recipes and T-shirts and theme music and comics and, well, no more Rebels reviews. No. Mm -hmm. It's always new stuff coming up. And check us out on, or I guess like us on Facebook and whatever you do to people on Twitter and uh, Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to keep sharing it out to friends and families and loved ones and complete strangers. Go up to somebody on the street and tell them you gotta listen to Blast Points. Yeah, if if there's someone next to you on the train and they're they're in iTunes, just reach over and type up a five star review for us and uh, whatever you gotta do. So that about wraps up episode 114. We'll be back next week with another all new episode. So thanks for listening, folks. Yeah, thank you. Talk to you later. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. felt that the best stories end and then other stories begin. I always liked that in stories. It's a special thing in Star Wars. It's a limitless galaxy of imagination. And thank you for the past four seasons. Please give them a round of applause. May the force be with all of you.